0: and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quitgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go.
2: What's up everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. We're recording slightly late because Mother Nature delayed the Yankees 3 days off in the middle of the season. Obviously, that doesn't happen unless it's the All-Star break. Scott, the offense has gone cold and I was I was all I'm preparing everyone for the narrative that the rain ruined the Yankees offense. That's what I'm going with.
1: It's just, it's not the rain, it's the time off. It's the, the caused it's the by the time rain. Off. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, like Sometimes when you, you know, you get older, the rain can affect your joints and you can just, you know, it's like, it's, you're like a barometer, like a human barometer walking around. But
2: arthritis acts up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, but, uh, the time off, yeah, the timing can, this is, this is a very, um, convenient and, uh, excuse that's used frequently in the playoffs. It's like the number one go-to if you have any time off, that's what you look at for, for playoff, um, inactivity in a particular game. So yeah, let's go with it but they still they still did what they needed to do and winning series is the name of the game that's what happened by any ne-
2: by any means necessary they scored five runs they left a small village on base every game against Texas but they still won the series and that's what we talked about after the winning streak came to an end it's like okay now you got to focus on winning series and you do that you're going to you're going to be fine as long as you just focus on series to series win those
1: series and it goes back to the, the different feeling of this team, right? Like the different feeling of this team is now things don't go exactly our way every time. Offense isn't clicking every time. Still winning series, still, still doing the things. You got guys like Nestor Cortez pitching no hitters uh, into the yeah. eighth inning instead of the bats carrying you. So yeah, this team can win in multiple ways. And I, and I actually love that. I love, I love the fact that even when not going well, still coming out with Ws. Last
2: year, that ball off Chapman's bat in the ninth, the ball uh, off of Chapman in the ninth inning goes out. For some reason, I, I got scared when, when uh, I forget who hit the ball off Chapman in the ninth with a guy on. I was like, oh, that, that looks, he looked like he got it for a second there. And I guess the wind killed it and Gallo had a little bit of a battle with the wind and the sun, but I thought that ball was gone.
1: I mean, Gallo had a little bit of a battle in the outfield a few different times, uh, taking a step back when, uh, when when he's reading a ball off of the uh, off of the bat and then it drops in front of him, he's done that a few times. So he just hasn't looked great in the outfield. Does it does it give you does it give it's you a hard left field?
2: field. I mean, it is a hard. Uh, everyone who's ever played left field the Yankee Stadium during the day says it's a nightmare.
1: Yeah, but does it, well, the, this is a night game, but it did give you the uh, the sensa- what, not the same sensation. What do you mean it's a of, night game? No, no, the one I'm referring to, the one I'm about to refer to, of uh, the sensation that you got when James Paxton threw that ball. Uh, and the off the bat when Boone left him in in the oh, playoff game oh, in 2019, yeah. yeah, the 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 peak, the,
2: the highlight of the 2019 playoff run was when James Paxton was left in a game and gave uh, up a nuts. gave up a, nuts. a ball to the to the back of the wall. Uh, yeah, crowd went nuts because they let the pitcher pitch. That's I was
1: 15 that. beers
2: deep. It was great it was it was but yeah like we said the, the offense was non-existent over the two days and it's tough right 3 days off and then a doubleheader on mother's day and then a quick turnaround with a with a day game on monday um a lot of missed opportunities with run, with runners in scoring position that the yankees were cashing in on during their 11 game win streak and maybe you say that this is just water finding its level the the numbers are going to come back down to earth and and even out w- whatever it is I just I point to a few bad at bats, uh, you know, namely Aaron Hicks <laughs> with with guys on base and it's just th- these these non productive nothing at bats w- with guys on base that I was hoping this team was mostly behind kind of bit them in the ass over these two days against Texas. I mean
1: these these at bats are always going to show off. You're they're always going to have with the amount of the amount of games and, and situations that they're going to be in. You know, when you get runners on, what is that? that what is a uh, Get it, getting runners on the base path gives you the opportunities to do certain things. gives you puts you in those scenarios more often than not. So you're going to run into that. Uh, I'm not again. They they were able to come out with a win. They they did what they had to do to win the game, and that's all that matters to me. This is all this is all part of the the story. This is all part of the all that matters. Like well, if.
2: It, it. If that's all that matters, and we're just gonna have a really tough time with this podcast all year, we have to analyze something. We have we have to go into I hope detail we have on. To, something. I
1: hope we have to look for things to analyze, like we've been a little bit in the sense that like it's hard to to find the places where they can improve upon because this team's been so good. So I hope I hope they have. year long this is a problem for us to to find like the things to point at because the team has been good. This Anthony is not. Anthony open struggling too. Like that guy carried this team for however long of, you know, they're going to come back down to earth. That's the, uh, that's the, it's baseball suit. That's baseball, Susan, part of the, part of the job and part of the, 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 why the sport is so beautiful because there is a yin and yang. And even when both, both sides, like there's no one really doing all that great, they're still finding ways to win. And I love that.
2: They went 0 for they went o for 5, 1 for 6, and then 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position in the three games. It's like this is not me inventing things to to get angry about. And I'm not necessarily angry because they still did win the game and I'm happy about that. But they did not perform with men on base in the series. You can't you can't just ignore that fact.
1: No, for sure. I thought the first, first of all, I thought the first thing that you were going to completely roast was Rizzo on the base path. Again, I was just waiting for that to open up the show. Are you talking
2: about when, when he gets, uh, on the double that, that was the game go ahead run
1: today? Yeah, because he hit the double. Hold on. Yeah. He hit the double and the Larry David in you was like, yes, yes, yes. But then he gets thrown out. You were like, you dumb bastard! Like you've ran, you've rounded second, gotten a good run down. There would have been a runner on second base with one out. That happens all the time, though, guys. Yeah. Guys,
2: when it when it's a first to third, like it was, the runner the runner that hits the ball just keeps running until he's out, basically. That that happens all the time. I'm not even necessarily blaming. I him was going to
1: agree with you because on that particular one, I'm like, Rizzo, what are we doing here? What what are we doing? You're you're hanging yourself out to dry.
2: But you don't get like that when he's trying to steal third base with with one out in the inning, or with two uh, outs no. in the inning.
1: No, I do. I, I I just was chalking that up to like a uh, something that wasn't happening very often. But this is another one. This is the third one that so far I've seen this season, and I'm really hoping it doesn't become a trend because this one was definitely right in front of you. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You 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 got the hit that we needed. It was exactly what they needed, and then and then you followed it up with a bonehead move. But it's fine because they won. So yes, the water gets swept under the bridge at that point. When you have uh, a victory, but you have to look at those things and remember them because the next time they're not going to be so lucky. They're going to have to execute in certain plays, and those types of things that you know you look at at a in a one nothing win in May are completely inexcusable. Come August, September, October, and beyond. So now is the type of sh- the type of t- stuff where you're you're cleaning that up. You're you're making these mistakes early in the season so that you're not making those same mistakes later in the year and building on it.
2: And you're right, having a runner on second base with only one out, maybe you tack on an insurance run and make the the end of the game way easier on yourself. Absolutely. Did you think Nestor was going to get the no-no? I thought he was actually going to get it. He was just absolutely dominating. He looked like he was having fun out there, which you don't normally see in no-hitters. You usually see guys like you could see the 1,000-pound weight on their shoulder. But Nestor, I just feel like he doesn't have a care in the world. Like He's one of these guys, he kind of knows... like. I shouldn't even be here type of thing. Like, uh, I'm living a dream right now. Like, pinch me, is this even reality type of of deal with Nasty Nestor? So I thought he was going to get it.
1: So when he got out there for the eighth and then that first strikeout, which was like uh, a finesse uh, finesse fastball that was thrown from like essentially sidearm, but it was at a a very, uh, a much lowered angle. I was like, oh, he's feeling it. He's getting even more frisky, feeling it at the end, like 100 pitches, like he could still go. Obviously the Yankees, had to score a run there, and they were going to give him the opportunity. If you pitch the eighth, they were going to give him the opportunity. If he got through that, to go into the ninth, to give them at least an opportunity to walk it off and give him the no hitter. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, yeah, th- he he clearly didn't get a base hit. But man, what a what a what a well pitched game by him. I know he had some walks in there, but worked around things. Um, and he's just he's just every time every time he's out there, he's fun to watch. He's a lot of fun to watch because of the all of the the things that he does to get people out.
2: What we learned today is that Nestor Cortez is better than Clayton Kershaw.
1: Yes, keep going. <laughs> just goes out, just willing to go
2: out there for the eighth inning and try and get the try and get the no-hitter when Clayton Kershaw was not. Obviously, giving Clayton Kershaw, future Hall of Famer, a hard time. Cortez is ERA down to 141. He's got 42 strikeouts and 32 innings pitched. There's this thing that Michael Kay and the broadcast does every time Nestor is out there dealing that they're just like, how? Paul. How is it wait, possible? Paul, wait, if, if you're a hitter against Nestor, like, what do you see it? How is this possible? He's only throwing 91 miles an hour. He's throwing sidearm. He's throwing three quarters. He's throwing overhand. He's throwing underhand.
1: He might just start throwing it right-handed for all we know. How's he doing this? It's magic. It's it's voodoo. <laughs> and that's the beauty of it. Look, the guy knows that he can't go out there and get a traditional... Well, this is know, when we needed David Cohn in the change broadcast. Up. He's got to be a little tricky.
2: We needed David Cohn in the broadcast booth today. Because he would have told them, well, actually, Nestor Cortez has great spin rate. And actually, Nestor Cortez has fantastic movement. And his peripherals on his pitches are actually very, very good. So, yes, he's not lighting up the radar gun with 98 miles an hour, but his fastball plays faster than 91 miles an hour. He can locate, he can mix his pitches, he uses all of his pitches, and he can throw all of his pitches for strikes. And that is, yeah, it's not different arm angles. It's not the sexy go out there and just blow you away with 98 miles an hour, but it sure as hell is effective.
1: Yeah, and you you may, from Nestor, you may get a fastball that one guy has from the same arm slot, the same the same speed. You may get it at 90, 92 miles an hour, ninety miles an hour, eighty seven miles an hour from over the over the top. You go directly over the top like a Jordan Montgomery type, or he may be going down and and throwing El Duque style from you know from a couple a couple feet up from the ground. You don't know where it's going to come from, so he's got multiple different variations of every pitch and that's what makes him so difficult and effective really when you're going through a lineup multiple times because you're not you're seeing the same guy but effectively it's not the same guy he can give you any different look you want
2: i pray this continues obviously for a few reasons yeah logan just put nestor's stat cast information in in uh in it fastball velocity is in the bottom four percentile but his fastball spin is in the 79th percentile so obviously it's not all just about the radar gun when it comes to and this is something that we would have no clue on 15 years ago right 10 years ago no clue why nestor cortez is having success because his fastball is only 91 miles an hour but i pray this continues obviously because he's helping the yankees win but if if he's like one of the best pitchers come All Star break, and there's actually the conversation of Nestor Cortez starting the All Star game for the American League, like that's that's going to be gold, baby. It's just going to break people's brains.
1: It really is. I I really hope that's the case. I mean, the guy's trending in the right direction. So here's here's hoping he can uh, he can. I don't know how you fi- look if he's executing these pitches, and you. It's not like as an offense when you're going up against him that you could just make an adjustment and fix this. If he's executing these pitches from all these different angles and doing these different things, there's not one adjustment. There's not two adjustments. Like if he's on his game and he's hitting his spots, you're in trouble because he's figured it out. You can
2: kind of say that about most pitchers in the league, but I think what we saw the bad Nestor game, his previous outing in Toronto, that was the bad Nestor game. He didn't have his, he didn't have location. He was walking guys. I think he only pitched four innings in Toronto, got out of a lot of jams, but that that's sort of the recipe for Nestor to go bad is what we saw against the Blue Jays.
1: Even today, he pitched, what, seven and a third, gave up the one hit, 11 strikeouts, but also walked four guys. So you're also seeing where location wasn't the best. But at the same time, you know, guys are, are swinging and missing. And again, that just goes down to, I think, his preparation, the game plan, uh, you know, who he's attacking and the fact that he can attack them in different, in different ways. And he could do it not only in game or I'm sorry, like preparing for a game to attack a lineup, but he can, he can make adjustments in game and make these, these little tweaks that a lot of pitchers just can't do. So if he's feeling it, and the difference when you said most pitchers can, but I, I think that he's just got so many different things to go to and they all feel good to him on a given day, you're in trouble.
2: How surprised on a scale of one to 10, how surprised are you that Nestor Cortez has backed up what we saw last year?
1: I mean, it's gotta be like a seven. You know, like, yeah, you're you're hoping he can come back and do it, but to this extent, no, you don't, you don't, you certainly well, he's don't been, expect it. to he's been better. To kind of throw into a 1 4, 1 ERA and, you know, going up, a, 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 throwing a no hitter in the eighth inning. This is the longest he's ever pitched.
2: Yeah, it's the most, it was the highest pitch count ever. Yeah, there was the, there was the conversation. That's why I was making jokes about Clayton Kershaw. There were conversations on the broadcast again about do you bring him back out? This is his highest pitch count ever. I didn't. There was no doubt in my mind that Boone was going to send him back out there.
1: Yeah, they were talking about it in the broadcast. Like if you go out for the eighth inning, you're making that decision at that point. I guess that yeah. was a, the conversation that 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 Tori had with Cone, um, uh, but, but on, when but he was throwing Cohn... no hitter after he came back. Cohen came
2: back from an aneurysm. Okay. Yeah, I know. Clayton uh, Kershaw's coming back from like 77 back surgeries. Okay? Like, it's different. Nestor Cortez, this is what? Seventh start of the year? Sixth start of the year?
1: He can go out there. Different scenario. But the point being is if you get through the eighth, you're almost in no man's land. You yes. cannot not send them out. for the. Ninth. He
2: could have been at 170
1: pitches and he has to be sent back out there for the <laughs> yeah. ninth inning.
2: Yes, I agree. I, I
1: would argue that 170 pitches, he's not making it through the eighth, but yes. I was exaggerating for effect, okay? I heard you, and that's why I had to call it out.
2: (laughs) We have to talk about the umpires yet again. I've said a billion times on this show, I try not to complain about umpires, because I think over the course of a season, it evens out. For for however many calls the Yankees get screwed on, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt on other calls. But we've seen it now prop up a, a few times over the past week. Judge continues to get low strike calls on him. DJ LeMayu had a call, a bad called strike on him, and let the umpire know it wasn't a strike. And if DJ's opening his mouth, then you know shit is bad. Like we've seen a few things from DJ this year that are uncharacteristic. The first being that he showed emotion when he he hit the home run against the Red Sox or when he got the two out base hit. I think it was against Toronto early in the season. We saw him chug a beer on TV. I didn't know the man had fun. I thought he'd be studying game film at the Rangers game, and he's out there chugging beers with Judge and Rizzo, and today we saw him jawing at an ump, and then Judge comes up, and he gets a strike call, the the dugout's obviously been yelling at the umpire, and the umpire like legitimately antagonized Judge, a loud strike call, very animated, and then stares at Judge, just waiting for him to say something, and I'm sorry, you can be an incompetent ump, that's one thing, if you just suck at your job, but if you're actually trying to antagonize the team and the player, then you need to be removed from your position as umpire. You have to be completely neutral as an umpire. And if you suck, you suck, but you cannot start antagonizing players.
1: No, there's no, there's no room for emotion when you're an umpire. You have to be objective. You have to do your job based on, on, on what you know is, 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 a rule and not a rule like you have to be very objective the entire time if you start throwing emotion and like you said antagonizing or throwing looks at people uh you know trying to play this power trip game now you're inserting yourself into the game and one of the golden rules of umpiring is don't make it about you don't make anything about you try to stay invisible as much as you possibly can by doing the right thing because good umpire games you don't notice the umpires they're just they're there facilitating they're making sure that the game is going along they're doing the things that they're supposed to be doing they're they're being fair and objective and as soon as that deviates from that and you get you get uh you know an ego about what is happening and i understand some some things are natural and they just like but you have to be able to control that so it's it's unwarranted it's never it's never really they at the end of the day the umpire worst case walks away from something worst case, has to take that higher road.
2: It's like with the Madison Bumgarner thing from yeah. the from And he came out apologized
1: and apologized and admitted that he was wrong. And like again, these they are human beings. They they will do things that that are um, you know, uncharacteristic to how they normally behave or or that you know, when they look back is like I shouldn't have acted in that way. And maybe this is the case here, and I understand that there's a human element to all of this stuff, but there needs to be a recognition of that and and not allow it to uh facilitate or happen on a a given day
2: yeah and we talked about it last episode with make the adjustment on Aaron judge it it seems like it's a problem that's just not not getting better umpires for whatever reason can't make the adjustment and and I don't know if the league does do you think the league can and should step in here
1: I don't know how you how do they do that tell show them that he's six seven guys well no there's umpire scorecards
2: umpires get scored for yes. how many how many balls they get right and wrong so it's i don't know you it,
1: so the i mean the leagues are they're already tracking that
2: and i don't exactly know how they get i think this i know that the nfl does this i don't know if mlb does it but if you are if you score poorly you don't get playoff games in the yeah. nfl
1: Is I think that, it's the same way for baseball
2: and playoff games mean more money so that's how they incentivize you to get playoff games so I don't know. You got to start docking these guys pay or something like you have to hit them where it hurts. I joked on uh, on Twitter today when it happened. I was like, if you allow like one punch to be thrown by a player per game, like, guess what? The umpires are magically going to have the strike zone right on point because they don't want to get popped in the mouth. They also don't want to get popped in the wallet.
1: <laughs> That's a way of policing the game. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, just one free
2: shot. One free shot. You don't know when it's. It could be. A, it could be <laughs> you a, don't know when it's going to come. Well, you know, it's if you screw up a call, but it's just like if that's in the back of your mind, you better get every call right.
1: <laughs> just fear of getting clocked yeah. is the is the reason why you'll be a better umpire. I don't know if that'll work. Fear is a great
2: motivator. Work.
1: What what if you're what if you're you know bracing for impact while the pitch is still being? But you got to take off your plate. mask. Someone out. So, <laughs> <point>. <laughs> <It's> like, <what laughs> so you they- have <laughs> to. So not only are you going to get clocked in the face, but you have to take off your mask and just take it got it. It's a <laughs> one, flawed system. I think it's <laughs> one free
2: shot. But but seriously, you have to hit them where it hurts, which is money.
1: Well, money and I think and that uh the playoff scenario is is something that But that's
2: that- that's not ins- so playoff games mean more money, but you're not necessarily docking their pay if if you don't get a playoff game. So you need to just like how a player can get fined or a manager can get fined Like, I don't know, umpires, maybe they need to be able to get fined.
1: For what in particular? Because it's not like a guy Sucking so bad. But a guy doesn't get fined... Like, Joey Gallo doesn't get fined for striking out as much as he does. He should. should. Aaron Hicks should get fined for being so bad with runners on base. But, you know, if they were to do something that were, you know, outside of the the game and outside of the realm of the game, then yeah. And and I think that umpires can also get fined for for those... Maybe. For those transgressions as well. So... Or suspended that happens
2: yeah yeah I don't know it's just it I hate talking about umpires I think it's such a tired narrative to co- to blame umpires for a team losing but when it's basically once a series there's just horrific series of umpire calls it's it's impossible to ignore
1: and I mean this is how you this is how you get to Robo ums at some point I mean at exactly some point it's
2: got to it. gotta be coming sooner than later but I don't know. For the strike it's,
1: zone, I mean, they have the technology to do it right now.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's the frustrating thing. It's like, we know that this could be happening right now. They're doing it in the minor leagues, right? And and we know that it could be better right now, but we have to still watch these humans suck. And I think, it, it, to me, it seems like they're getting worse. And I've said before, the strike zone box on TV is the worst thing that ever happened to umpires and to viewers, frankly. Because now we know when it's not a strike. Whereas before when this box wasn't there we're like that looked like a strike but also I'm just watching on TV it could it could be whatever. But now it's like oh the the dot is outside the box. Yeah, what are you looking at? Can't you see that? Jackass. <laughs> uh if you had to rank the Yankees from bottom up, who's do you want up with runners on base in a key situation last on the team?
1: uh Joey Gallo.
2: Okay, and then who?
1: And then um Aaron Hicks given the recent sample size.
2: Yeah, I I I said Aaron Hicks won, Joey Gallo too. It's it's a complete coin flip for me. It's Hicks Hicks is at bats with been on base. they if he doesn't walk, he doesn't do anything productive and it happened again on Sunday in the, in the doubleheader. It's just terrible, and he had such a lame swing at an off-speed pitch. He wasn't even competitive. I don't know. I know overall he's been decent, and with no one on base, he puts together better at-bats. I don't know what it is, if it's a mental thing with him. But man, those nothing at-bats with, in key situations
1: when you're trying to scratch and claw and come back are just killers. He does. He feels like he's – we, t- we mentioned this before, but he. Feel, it's almost like he's in between approaches. He, he – you know because he's when he's in the leadoff spot he's he's working the count he's you know doing the things that a leadoff hitter does well and you start seeing that on-base percentage really ramp up but it's almost like he's pressing in other opportunities when he needs to actually be impactful um and and you know try to knock in runs you can't have that same approach and that's that's the difference that's what that was what that conversation went to and, and they were actually referring to it as well for the way Boone thinks about certain things like DJ does not have that that same problem DJ is able to turn the switch and um, you know turn an at bat in a given situation into a productive at bat for that situation, and I think that's the biggest difference: is the the the, the situation in which uh, Aaron Hicks Aaron Hicks is doing well, and then the opportunities when he's not doing well, and it's a pretty clear deviation from from what is uh, what's happening when when he's up.
2: Higgy bunted ahead of him. To, to put the runners uh, on second and third for Hicks to come up. And it's just like, okay, I get it. I get it's a bunt situation. It's not like Higgy is the guy you want up in that situation either. So I guess I want Higgy bunting, but damn, I really don't want to trust Hicks to just get a sack fly or something like that because he seems incapable.
1: Yeah, but the scenario is the right scenario, getting him over for I, I know. Uh, an opportunity to, to get that run in. So it makes a lot of sense.
2: Higgy caught Cole. So broke the broke the Trevino pattern. Two,
1: it's only two. Remember, I said three. You need a you need a third for a pattern. This yep. was not a pattern.
2: It was a, it was a trend. It was trending towards a pattern. Cole was awesome. He was reaching hundred miles an hour on the radar gun deep into the game. He talked himself back out for the seventh inning. Unfortunately, he gives up the home run to Calhoun. And after the game, he's talking about how he didn't want to walk him. It, it's a it's a one run game there ends up giving up the tie the the game tying home run. I mean listen, I'm not going to complain about Cole's start. It was an awesome start. When you talk yourself out there for the extra inning and then you give up the home run, it's a tough look.
1: Well, he was clearly you could see the the frustration on his face too. He he knew what he that he lobbied to get back out there and then uh and then one got away from him. So, but I, again, man, I love almost every single time I'll take the guy with the fire that's trying to get back out there and 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 have the confidence to to shove over a guy that doesn't want the ball. Give me that every single time. And you know, clearly he had the confidence to go out there. It just didn't work out in that particular pitch. But yeah, he was really good again. This is just another another start where we're seeing that, you know, maybe in Detroit on that weird night, it was just a very fluky evening and um and he just wasn't he wasn't there in whatever capacity, like physically, mentally, all of the above. He just wasn't there.
2: Does any other starter on the Yankees get to lobby his way into
1: the game? Nestor Cortez. <laughs> uh, try arguing against Nestor Cortez and he'll he'll come up he'll come at you from any angle with a with, with another robot.
2: I don't think Nestor had to lobby to stay in today's game. I think it was gonna he was out there till he gave up a hit. But yeah, I think Cole's the only one that Boone changes his mind on.
1: I mean, I de- I think depending on where we're where we are in the season and like what's happening, Severino's the type of guy too that 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 has that emotion that will that can carry you through. Because we've also seen Severino where you know a fourth, fifth inning, he he shows a little bit of a lapse, and then he comes back and he's just electric again uh, after an inning that was you know non-efficient. He he's done that time and time again when he's on the mound, where you know he shows that that extra life is real for him. Like he doesn't get. Uh, he can he can rebound and i think cole's that type of guy and you know what like severino's the type of person where if it's if it's august september as well and he's having a damn good year you're treating him like that that ace that cole is to me and you're you're trusting your guy in the moment to get him back out there if his stuff still feels good
2: yeah i think severino he if he's still pitching well in f- 3 4 months from now you got a case there but I don't know if he if he lobbies for his next time out. I don't I don't think he wins that case. Well, I
1: think he's on a different he's in a different world where they're still making sure. I mean they they're giving him extra time. He was supposed to pitch today, yeah, uh, or yesterday, and you know now he's pitching, which I don't hate to be honest. Like about, with the matchup, and I'm sure some of it was strategic, so that uh, Toronto is is facing him. But um, they're giving him a day off if they can in certain like they'll give him that sixth day if they can just to to, to work. That's that's goes back to you know how they managing the innings managing his innings and managing the uh, the the stress on his body.
2: Yeah, if it's one fewer start, I mean, that's 5 to 7 innings fewer, right? So I mean it, it certainly adds up. The the Glaber walkoff we we do have a mailbag question about Glaber so we'll talk about him more more in depth but what I, I want to talk about is Chris Woodward after the game calling into cheap home run Yankees are a little Yankee stadium's a little league stadium that that home run's not out anywhere really just went all in on the on the short porch bashing and then obviously there's that Twitter account I think it's called would it dong which which I appreciate it's a great name that it would have been out in 26 out of 30 parks so huh numbers don't lie Chris Woodward and then I found it ironic that in game two his team got a home run that would have only been a home run in two out of 30 parks so you know it's Almost like both teams play at the same dimensions when they're playing at Yankee Stadium. Who would have thunk it? But it's really just like, whether you give up a 700-foot walk-off home run or a 315-foot home run down, just shut up. Shut up with the cheapness. It just is such a bad look. If Boone ever said something like this, like if they're playing at Fenway Park and the Red Sox hit a bullshit home run off pesky pole, Boone better not say anything like this. <laughs>
1: I, Boone can't say anything about home runs in the postseason against the Red Sox, but the uh, the he he would be set up right there for instant instant ridicule. But no, it's I mean Woodward has has shoved his foot in his mouth in the past too. He's just a jackass, and he's still I think maybe a little bitter for the Yankees not extending the position to him because he was in the running for the the job the managerial job as well with Boone. So maybe there's some. Uh, Maybe there's just some 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 pent up aggression on on him, but yeah, why he's not complaining when the the next the next game the ball goes over the park, the same the same exact wall in a in a much shorter uh, execution style there, and he's he's happy for it. So of course you're going to be happy for that.
2: Yeah, and whether you really buy into the park factor rankings and stuff like that, Yankee Stadium is actually not that crazy of a hitter's park. It's it's a park factor of 98, which is 22nd worst ballpark to hit in. And since 2019, it's averaged 106 home runs to this point in the season, which ranks 12th in all of ballparks. So it's kind of middle of the road for home runs. Like, yes, we know. Right down the, the right field, just call it right field, is is easy to hit home runs. The ball flies out there. You can get some cheap home runs to right field. The rest of the stadium is not cheap. And I think if you hit a ball to the gaps, to left center, obviously, and center, it's going to keep the ball in the park. David Cohn mentions this all the time. Voight even had a quote on this calling it called it a huge stadium.
1: This is what I don't understand. If it's so easy and you're calling it like, you know, Mickey Mouse, little, little league type thing, then just do it every at bat. If it's so friggin' easy and it's just a thing, just pepper the right field wall during every at bat, go into the game and try to pepper the wall. That should be your approach, right? If it's so, if it's so simple to do, then do it, then do it. It's 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 giving it to you right there. It's right there for the taking. It's not moving. Hasn't moved. Gonna be there. Next inning it's also gonna be there. Go ahead. Pepper the wall. Do do that. Get all the cheap home runs. Go ahead. No but that's not a real that's not a real thing. So I don't understand anybody complaining about any park ever because these are the dimensions. They've always been the dimensions. Everybody plays the same thing. And if you are going to take advantage of it, then do it. Take advantage of it. It's there,
2: <clears throat> yeah. And the Yankees' short porch is by no means the craziest ballpark element we've seen. Actually, being played like on the major leagues, the, the Astros had a hill in center field. In modern day, they had a hill in center field. Okay, and then they removed that hill to to put cameras in center field.
1: Oh, yeah. It's no, they did. It's not the most ridiculous. I know. Um, it just it, it felt like a dig at the same time. That's why I did the ooh, but. um Yeah, no, it's not. It's not a crazy thing. I don't understand why people still complain to this day about it. I will never complain about the Fenway monster unless it goes against me, and I'm just frustrated. I'm not blaming the ballpark, but the situation. You know what? You you can also do. You can pitch around it too. You can actually play, and you can build teams. I mean, that's why it's called home field advantage, right? It's legitimate. This is why the Orioles moved their fence back so that they could play, uh, so that they could attack uh, free agency whenever they get money to spend on pitchers and it would be more attractive for them to go to baltimore with the new field dimensions
2: every other sport talking major professional american sports the the dimensions of the field of the court of the rink are the exact same no matter where you're playing the home field advantage comes when it for the home crowd and stuff like that yes you can add domes and then turf and all that kind of stuff Baseball is the unique sport where the dimensions change. It makes it interesting. It makes it so it's a real home field advantage. If you have in Yankee Stadium, you have left-handed power. That's why it's a freaking house that Ruth built. That's how the freaking franchise started, okay? I think it's a cool element. Do I wish that the Yankees didn't have maybe a as... I wish it was just like the old Yankee Stadium, as I've said before. Just a few feet back, but still, overall, I'm in favor of parks having different dimensions.
1: I was I was having this conversation with somebody uh, when I was in Las Vegas actually about soccer and I was we were they had they had one of the matches on and I'm like, you know I just started talking out of my ass basically because that's what I do when I watch that sport, and I did not know that each field or pitch, if you're speaking oh, yeah. the right it's lingo, the has different dimensions. A lot of them have different dimensions. I did because know what this. I was complaining about is like the arbitrary piece of extra time and like who the hell is determining the this extra time? Why don't they just put a frigging clock on it? when someone is in and out. And I like, came around from to the discussion with the, whom, I forget whoever was um, really giving it to me the other side of it. I, I was open to the argument, but I did not know that they have different size fields. They do. That's interesting.
2: Yeah, it is interesting. So though, I hear things about soccer and I'm like, I think I'd like that sport.
1: And then I just can't get into it. It's because we don't have the emotional tie to know. a team and players. That's That's it. Like, I don't know if I'll ever Unless, you know, you're watching USA and USA, like I can I can get behind that. That's that gives me some, you know, patriotism. Um, I I can I can feel something there. But like watching a, a, uh, I would have to like go all in on a team and I don't know how I force that to be honest. <clears throat> the time At this zone point in my life, I think it's impossible.
0: Help. Yeah. You're you're over the hill as far as becoming a diamond <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Right. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate
2: So Michael King, first first bad outing of the season. Uh, I'm not going to say he's turning back into a pumpkin. I still have a lot of confidence in him, but he did cough up game two, comes in in a spot with an inherited runner, and then ends up giving up the the bomb that was the go-ahead run. And, uh, I mean, I think it was just an off outing for him. I forget, who, who hit the home run? Was it, uh, I'm forgetting, uh, whoever it's, he go- I mean, look. Brad Miller hit the home run, and he and he just jumped on a fastball. They talked about it on the yeah. play, like just sitting fastball, jumped on a fastball.
1: If anybody's mad about this, like check yourself because this guy's been so friggin' good, uh, and that's that's why that's why it feels so it feels almost dirty when you're complaining some about uh, some this team in, in certain ways because they've been so good, and him in particular has been so so dominant when he comes in very very tough situations. So he's going to give up more home runs too. And he's probably going to walk some guys in key situations that don't work out well for the Yankees at some point this season. And what Boone's job is is to keep going back to him because the stuff is there, the nasty is there. um, And he's been, you know, overwhelmingly better in situations than than obviously like a little blip on the radar. So zero concern about this at all.
2: One thing I didn't love is that he did warm up in Game One, didn't get into Game One, and then, you know, four hours later gets into Game Two. I'm not saying that's the excuse as to why he didn't pitch well. It's just we talked about this, right? b whips. You, you guy only has so many bullets in the arm every day. Let's let's not do that. Let's. Like, I feel like that could have been avoided. He's warming up in Game One. Use him in Game One.
1: But I mean, multiple times we we, we were touching on this first of all, you can have multiple guys warming up at one time. It happens all the time. And one guy goes in and the other guy does not go in. It happens all the time because you don't know what's going to happen in a given situation. Someone might pitch hit for somebody. Somebody might, who knows, there might be a runner on. You might have more confidence. You want to get prepared. This is their, part of their job is to be up and down, up and down. That's, that's inherently what comes along with being a guy in the bullpen. So I mean, I, I don't think it had anything to do with it. I think that, that this is something that, that these guys are, are used to doing and he went to Loizaga, He got attacked. On, he went to Loizaga
2: instead pitchers. of Michael King in game one. I just feel like you could have gone to Michael King there and then save save Loizaga in game two. I understand if you're warming up a lefty and a righty, depending on matchups, like that's unavoidable. You have to have both guys ready to go. But when they're both right-handed pitchers, Michael King's been better than Loizaga so far this year, seemingly pitching in a more high-leverage role than Loizaga over the past week to two weeks.
1: I don't know what the analytics are saying, though, from one guy to another. They could have been very drastically different splits, depending on who was coming up next. They could a big, have been, yeah. It could situation. have
2: been. It could have been. Yeah. You're, that's that's what you're going with? The analytics. That's exactly what I'm going The with. analytics yeah. splits dictate Analytic that. Analytic
1: splits. Splits. Big-time splits on the analytics. The nerds were split. Got so it. They were like, go both. both any times.
2: other any other things you want to touch on from the Texas series before we move on
1: to some injury news? I mean, they 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 need to use this downtime, this, uh, you know, the... the <laughs> Get the bats going again for for Toronto. They they need to figure that one out pretty quickly. They got what Barrios. Um, we're going to preview the.
2: We're going to preview that series. We're going to
1: preview them. But but um, now's the time to to get that back up. So that's the beauty. Like they they got through it and still got the series win. Now like the bats got to come back.
2: LaCastro was placed on the IL with a lat injury. Rortvet began his rehab assignment in Tampa Single A, and Domingo Herman actually expected back as soon as late May. Kind of mm-hmm. fell off the Herman fell off my radar.
1: Yeah, what do you even do with him at this point? You can't put like, him back
2: in the. You don't put him in the rotation at this. No, point, you keep unless him unless there's an injury. Out,
1: but do you keep him? Do you stretch him out and keep him stretched out in AAA yeah. as like a as an insurance piece? To me, that's I, what I would do.
2: Yeah, yeah, because he's not. He I don't think he adds much value in the bullpen, and you don't take any of these starters out right now.
1: No. So and you know with Debbie Garcia not being the guy that they thought he was like the, the 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 pecking order as far as uh guys who are stretched out is a, is a little bit less. I could see I don't well, know what Schmidt, his option is. What are his what's getting his situation with options that that's something to look at that that could potentially affect how he's used and like where he's rostered but if he's if if there are available options for him and he's able to be down there I would I would certainly keep him in AAA and keep him stretched out. We're seeing Schmidt get a start
2: this week's and they obviously have been stretching him out and he pitched in long relief out of the bullpen a couple times um got the win when cole had his bad start in detroit and then didn't he get another didn't he pitch another in relief? he did
1: it was after like 11 days i think he got yeah. in he got in and then and i think he had a down d- he had a start in scranton as well right so yep. they're they're certainly you know that that's something that we were looking no, at. Like, who's the my, guy that they're going to keep stretched out? And Schmidt's a guy that they want at, in that starting rotation, if possible, as a guy that can go longer. Herman has one option
2: left. But my okay. point is, if Schmidt's getting a start this week, when Herman, when and if Herman comes back and is kept stretched out in the minors, who do they call up first to give a start to Schmidt or Herman? I feel like Schmidt is right now ahead of him.
1: Oh, for sure, yeah. he is. He is ahead of him. Yeah.
2: And it's just uh, again because the rotation has been so good, the pitching staff has been so good. It just
1: completely fell off my radar. And Same with that's the a, That's head. a
2: good. That's a good thing. He doesn't step
1: in and make this team better at all anywhere. No. Anywhere. So you need to keep him as an insurance piece. Uh, wait, wh- who did you say? Herman. Herman. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. An, he's he's really just an insurance piece. Or you, this is one of those like middle of the week transactions where Domingo Herman gets moved for you know. A player to be named later or cash consideration, Inter- International bonus pool or money. International bonus money, if you can do that the, during the season right now. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Like, the, Let's just be gone. And now you're gone out of our brains forever. Thank you. Bye.
2: I, I wanted to spend a couple of minutes talking about all of the big shortstops that the Yankees passed on this winter because Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon were in town. Obviously, Marcus Simeon's playing second base, but played shortstop last year. So IKF this season is slashing 288, 337, 363. He's got a 110 WRC plus and 0.7 F4. Now he has been in a little bit of a slump the last few games, but he was, he was fantastic during the 11 game stretch. So again, 0.7 F4 is better than Corey Seager, who has 0.6 F4, Carlos Correa, has 0.4 F war Trevor story who has negative 0.1 war and Marcus Simeon who has negative 0.2 war Marcus Simeon had like a 490 OPS coming into the Yankees series 490 OPS that's worse than pitchers that's how bad Marcus Simeon has been and Trevor story I was listening to some Boston radio the other day and and they want Trevor story gone they're already running him out of town they're calling him Carl Crawford 2.0 (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's hilarious he's, it's been a month The yeah I mean like of, of all of them story was the most predictable I think is the, the Simeon I'm shocked that he's it's just a matter of time because that guy's hit his entire career he just he gets he hits everywhere he's gone he's hit uh i actually he got dropped in a fantasy league and i definitely picked him up because i'm like he's gonna hit well he's that's silly rip. that's silly to drop him
2: like like he's, he's been off to a bad yeah. start like i'm highlighting this off to a bad start but let's Agreed. not go crazy and i it.
1: was like that was stupid so I, that's why i'm like yeah like this is a guy that will eventually hit you know obviously he's not in the same lineup that he was last year that doesn't help matters uh but i mean the guy hit in oakland too
2: he's been a great he, player his whole he's career. a professional yeah. hitter yeah no, know, but but my point is that IKF has been better offensively than all of those players. I'm not saying he will be better at the end of the season, but through a month plus of the season, and here we are, and IKF has been better than Corey Seager, Carlos Correa, Trevor Story, and Marcus Simeon.
1: Hell yeah, I love that. <laughs> I mean, I, there's no other way to say it. IKF is is like is is the truth. He does he does all the things that you want him to do. I love him. So it's just I said on Twitter the other day, I said on Twitter the other day, imagine imagine having to 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 like force to to root for for Carlos Correa at this point in the season, because that's what we'd all be doing. We'd be forcing ourselves to do it, especially if he's struggling and you get a guy like IKF, all hustle, all heart, all grit. Just give me that all day long. Give me all those guys. Give me the Hawaiian hustle over some jackass that you're forcing me to root for. Like, I just didn't want to be put in that situation. I'm so very glad we're not.
2: Carlos Correa hasn't been awful. He's hitting 255. He's got a 109 WRC plus, 0.4 F 4 But if Carlos Correa signed with the Yankees, unless he had a 160 WRC plus and two war at this point in the season, he would be getting booed mercilessly. Okay. Because it was a lose lose situation for him pretty much coming to New York.
1: It was, it, yeah, yeah. It was a difficult situation, not only for him, but for all of us. And, and very uh selfishly, I'm more concerned about all of us having to look at that guy and and root for him on a daily basis. Just yep. didn't want to do it. The, would have been, it's the it's the plain truth.
2: Yeah. And I could have gotten clearly behind Corey Seeger. I would have been behind yeah. if they signed Marcus Simeon or even hell, even if they signed Trevor Story, I, I would have I would have talked myself into getting behind that move, even though he can't hit right handed pitching. But I don't know how I would have talked myself into Carlos Correa. He was that dislike he was that disliked
1: yeah yeah no doubt and now we have ikf who's just like a vision of hope absolutely
2: all right let's uh let's take a look at the upcoming week we're going to do so we're going to pick a game to bet on we're going to do it with WinBet. if you live in arizona colorado indiana louisiana michigan new jersey which is where i am new york tennessee or virginia which is where scott is logan you're in new york so we all count we can all win some money this week, well, you're in luck. You can you can download the WinBet app and you can use code XBlueWire. It's a new code. We've been telling you a different code, but they updated the code. It's XBlueWire, all one word, and it's a special offer. You can bet $50 and win $200. You can also go to winbet.com and you can see all the different odds that they have, parlays and all that stuff. They're bringing the excitement of the Win Casino to your mobile device all right scott what game are you betting on this week
1: so when you're looking at the week you're looking at um obviously toronto and then uh they go to chicago we for... two
2: game series against toronto like they yes. just played four at home against toronto yes. seemingly not long too too long ago now they're playing another two game series it's, a, it's odd yeah and they haven't even played tampa yet at all it's like i don't understand the schedule sometimes
1: yeah, and there's like, another four-game set that's going to offset this two-game set. It's just a, it's it's strange in the way that they do this. But I'm looking. Uh, I'm actually looking beyond. If I'm betting, I'm looking beyond Toronto. Those games to me are just such a toss-up. Uh, if I can avoid them, I will. Um, even though I do like K- Kikuchi coming back and and shutting this team down again. I I have. I think that's going to be a very difficult task for him.
2: That'll be the third time the Yankees are seeing Kikuchi in like a three-week span. I, yes. I have to, even though they didn't hit for shit over the weekend. I have to imagine they're going to hit Kikuchi.
1: Agree. <laughs> I, I think that that's a tough matchup. Deja for him. vu if, all over again. For him, that's a real for for him. Just speaking uh, as a, a guy competing against that's a hard task. It's tough, you know, for for a a strong right-handed lineup as well. Like that's a very difficult and and you know some of the lefties that hit lefties well.
2: That's it's tough. tough for any pitcher. It's tough if it's Garrett Cole or if it's DeGrom going out there for a third time against a team in three weeks. That's a tough, that's a tough matchup.
1: Yeah. So Severino, I'm looking at that game as well. But again, if I'm trying to avoid Toronto, um, I will. And Dallas Keuchel has not been the guy. He's not been the, the guy that he used to be. He's not, he's not the, the scary Dallas Keuchel. Not that, not that he was scary, but uh, he was, that he was on, on, on Houston. He was dominant. Not that guy. Garrett Cole going up against him with Chicago. The way that Cole's been pitching, I think we got to ride the horse. I like that. And I think that the the way that that Keichel throws and, and just he's just not the same guy that he's he's been in the past, uh, that he matches up well or the Yankees match up well to him. I could see them tacking on some runs against uh Dallas Keichel and feeling really good about it. So
2: the the uh, the starters have not officially been announced for the White Sox series. It's a four-game series, and Garrett Cole is lined up to pitch game two, and Dallas Keuchel is lined up to pitch game two as well. So that's the matchup we're going with. But regardless, if, say, Garrett Cole is, for whatever reason, pushed to Saturday, I still like Garrett Cole. He's just looked so good his last three times out. He was throwing 100 miles an hour on his 105th pitch um, in this past outing. And so whether he's facing a different uh pitcher, I still like that that Garrett Cole matchup. The Yankees will be facing Michael Kopak. he's off to a filthy start for the White Sox. They got Kopak in the Chris sale trade along with Yoan Moncada. So he used to be a Red Sox pitching sp- prospect. He was he was one of the top pitching prospects in the game for a while. I think he
1: I think he dealt with some injuries. but, but he has definitely dealt with injuries. I think that he's still maybe I'm raw maybe it's Jordan Hicks now. But he's, he had the, the fastest ball thrown in in a game that like clocked. He, it was something stupid. Some like one co- was seven it seven or something was ridiculous. Just, the college kid who threw 105 or something? Yeah, that's him. That's, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's him. I'm going to... look Logan, if you check that out. But yeah, no, 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 no. No. there's a yeah. guy. He's definitely one of those guys. Yeah, I remember he was the guy. Wasn't he the guy who said just off a uh, head... Um, like, oh, I would throw hundred and eight miles an hour, like if I could, or something like that. <clears throat> well, you,
2: you can just do it. <laughs> like, like what, what, what's he saying? Like, oh, if the in the perfect scenario, if the mound, if the mound was just right and the inside no wind or something like that indoors. Regardless, he's 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 been on fire this season.
1: Okay, so um, yeah, yeah, like a 100- hundred. Uh, goes viral for with hundred and ten mile per hour pitch. Oh fuck minor. out of here! No way. Yeah. Kopech has reached one hundred and five in live game action. Hold on, let me read this to you. Yeah, and then one hundred and seven was like the, the the clock. I don't know when these were. Hold on, I'm, I'm I think
2: two. there's so, a like limit to the gates. human body, and I don't know if one hundred and ten is doable.
1: He was, um, yeah, one hundred and seven is is where he was clocked in a game in two thousand seventeen. Jesus so yeah he was up there as one of those and yeah you're gonna have arm issues bro <laughs> you're throwing 107 miles per hour you're gonna have arm issues so I'm sure he's dialed it down a little bit they haven't been again I'm, I'm very happy to play fantasy baseball this year because it's really keeping me in in, uh, in touch with all the other players he hasn't been able to go beyond five innings this year so they're definitely <laughs> managing he's just his, emptying his, the tank for,
2: for five innings Yeah, yeah
1: I don't know what he's been clocked at this year but definitely uh, an interesting one
2: He's having a great season, and he's lined up to pitch against Jordan Montgomery. Montgomery, again, like, f- c- Montgomery's kind of flying under the radar, right? The Yankees get him no run support. His record is, if you still look at record, it, it's not good, but it's, he doesn't get run support. He pitched another
1: good game over the weekend. He did. He's a rock, man. He's like, he's just, he's another one of these guys that you feel really good with going into into a game. And, uh, you know, like Nesser, he's got so many different... um they're not different arm angles necessarily, but he's got a, you know, a large repertoire where he can come at you with the kitchen sink. So he's a lot of fun. He, every time I watch him, he just, he does, he gives me a a reminder of, of the way Andy Pettit pitched. Uh, like I, even stylistically, there's, there's a lot of similarities there. So, um, I think he's a rock man. He's one of these guys that just, you you can tell works his ass off, prepares really well and comes in with a good game plan.
2: Another thing that the rainouts did unfortunately for the yankees is it puts them in a stretch where they're going to be playing was it 23 games in 22 days all culminating with the rays four game series at the end that's a tough stretch i know a bunch of the games are against baltimore and stuff like that but that many games in that many days finishing with tampa that's that's a hard that's a hard stretch
1: that's a hard stretch they do have some like some games where, where they should be winning but yeah at- Kind of, you know, ending it with with Tampa for the first time coming in there. Yeah, that's a that's a difficult, definitely a difficult task. But it's gonna be a fun, it's gonna be a fun culmination of it too. Yeah,
2: it's They're one of those things. <laughs> it's one of those things that you get through it and you play, you play, you know, solid, but you're not gonna win eleven in a row again. But you just you you win a, most of those series and you get out of that strong. You feel good about it.
1: For sure, I think if they if you know where they where they are coming in, going into that that Tampa series will be uh very interesting to see the way that the uh they have played against some subpar teams cuz they should they they there's a lot of wins in there too that's the thing there's a lot of wins in that in that stretch yep,
2: yep. all right that's going to wrap it up again if you want to if you want to wager some cash on the game that we're going to be betting on which is Garrett Cole start you can do it with the WinBet app use code X blue wire to get your special offer anything else you want to mention Scott
1: I'm excited how they handle it. I, you know the fact that I'm I'm curious to look at how they treat Stanton throughout this entire stretch too, and like you know where where they're going to be sitting him, how many games they're going to be putting him out. But I'm 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 curious to see how that stretch uh, lands on and how Boone really manages the entire thing. Like this is where he is is you know put on uh, on display in the way that he manages all these guys. There's so many interchanging parts.
2: Weird interesting tw- to say a weird twelve thirty five start on Wednesday. I don't. Quite understand where the twi- 1235 comes from. Is it one of the Peacock games or something? Is it a Peacock game? It's no. in Chicago, isn't it? No, no, no. It's uh, against the Blue Jays at home.
1: 12- oh, that's 35. the Wednesday Blue Jay. Yeah, yeah. Getaway day. I forgot today was Monday because it was a day game. It was weird.
2: Yeah, it's like they just didn't want to start it at 105, so they're doing 1235. We're going to be recording after that Wednesday game, and, and that episode will be posted after that. So that'll be the next time we talk to you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you guys.